Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. <laughs> to Democracy-ish. I am Danielle Moody. And I'm Wajahat Ali. And Wajahat, what a fucking week. Um, it isn't over yet. It isn't, it isn't o- over yet. It isn't over yet because we have one more round. Um, by the time that this goes up, there will still be one more round of Supreme Court disastrous decisions to um, to be laid bare for the American people as we wait for our overlords to tell us what rights we have and what rights they are going to be taking away or how they're going to destroy our environment. You know, there's a range of things uh, that they can do. But before we jump into... Uh, the Supreme Court and their radicalized, corrupt uh, intent and nature. I do want to talk about what we witnessed with the surprise hearing for the one six commission. We had Cassidy Hutchinson, who was the former senior aide to Mark Meadows, deliver bombshell after motherfucking bombshell that all the things that I thought was in my head that were happening in that Trump administration were actually happening. The mm. the cartoon political image that I believe that it was done by, I want to say either the New York Times or the New Yorker with Biden coming in with a mop to a Oval Office that was filled with trash and disarray. We now know because there's ketchup all over the walls because Donald Trump ruled this nation like a tyrannical toddler. Um, Give me your initial impressions of what we saw and if you think that it's going to make any difference, because what I'm coming to understand is that this administration, this Democratic establishment is feckless as fuck. So uh, my impressions is that she brought an arsenal of smoking guns. Uh, I want to let everyone know that I don't consider any of these Republican um, witnesses to be heroes. Uh, they were compelled to finally come out and speak uh, to save their own ass. Uh, they sat on this explosive information uh, for a year, maybe five years, and yep. they chose to sit on it to be loyal to the party. Uh, and they chose party over country until finally the, the the guillotine was hanging over their neck. So that's number one. The only heroes here, in my opinion, are Shea Moss and her mom, 
uh, Lady Ruby, if you all remember yep. her, there were the two black women, the, the mother and daughter who are the election workers, who don't have access to power, who don't have access to privilege, who literally a target was put on their back by the president, all these conspiracy theories, and you know they've lost everything. So that's that. That being said, she spoke up. I'm glad she did. The biggest takeaway is that Donald Trump, Meadows, and a whole bunch of other people knew in advance that there was violence that was going to happen. They knew in advance that there were people with AR-15s and fastening uh, spears on the flagpoles before they even marched the U.S. Capitol. Donald Trump didn't care. He said, they aren't here to hurt me. He wanted the crowd. He, this, you know, the right wing is losing its mind over like a factual detail about whether or not Donald Trump lunged for the Secret Service guy. But he's already said that he commanded uh, the Secret Service person to, to go to the Capitol. But the Secret Service person, according to her testimony, said, no, sir, we're going back to uh, the Oval Office, right? Uh, also, in addition, Mark Meadows, perhaps one of the most weak, pathetic, impotent yes-men or a very deliberate conspiracist, right? Rudy Giuliani and Mark Meadows, according to her, asked for a pardon. So that adds to the six names already on the list and also Jim Jordan. So now we have nine names. And I really want to know what Jim Jordan said because she said Jim Jordan was talking to Donald Trump while this was all happening, right? But the big takeaway is, is that they knew in advance Violence was going to happen in January 6th. The day of, they welcomed it. They did nothing to protect the nation. They did nothing to protect Mike Pence. Another witness says that he literally threw Mike Pence, his own vice president, under the bus. And Mike Pence right now is still kissing the ass of the party that wants to hang him. Democrats, like we've said before on the show, if they're willing to hang Mike Pence, the whitest, most Christian man on earth, what are they going to do to you? Now, on the flip side mm -hmm. of this, you asked me, is anything going to change? I do think it will. Really? In the sense that, well, in this sense, we have seen that the five hearings so far have dominated press. People have paid attention. They're cluing in. And the percentage points, the last time I saw Daniel after the third hearing, eight percentage points increase in people who want to hold Donald Trump accountable. We also saw within the Republican Party for the first time ever within some of these you know, uh, outlets like Washington Examiner, they're asking to dump Trump. They see him as toxic liability. Now, my fear is, and I was discussing this with our friend Mary Trump, my fear is, and what you and I have always said, is that Trumpism is here to stay. Yes. Donald Trump, the avatar, will be discarded. My fear is that the Republican Party has become radicalized. Ultra MAGA is MAGA is the GOP. And now you're seeing the shift towards DeSantis, who is just as extreme but less self-destructive. On the Democrat side, you have an amazing opportunity with this bombshell, plus the overturning of Roe v. Wade, a constitutionally protected right that 60 to 70 percent of Americans agree with. That's a huge majority, and the number is going to grow to literally come out with all guns blazing and beat the shit out of Republicans this week. And yet an article just came out that Republicans who were quoted anonymously are shocked that Democrats aren't expressing more outrage by the overturning of Roe v. Wade. So that's where we are right now. So, you know, here's the thing that I will say, uh, and I've said it in so many videos that I've done and on Woke AF, is that Joe Biden wasn't my first choice and he wasn't my fifth choice. And this was, was your sixth and, choice. And, and, and no, no, um, 
he was he was at the very back of the Democratic primary clown car. Um, And the reason for that is this, that Joe Biden is a statesman from another time. And that time has long been gone, dead and buried. And the very idea that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is the uh, and and Cory Bush um, and and the younger uh, mm. BIPOC members of mm. the House and of the Democratic uh, Party are the only ones that see some type of urgency, that are offering up any types of solutions, that are saying that the American people just want to know that if we are going to be asking for their vote, that we are going to use the power that they give us, right? And that we are fight. going to actually put up a fucking fight. Because here's the thing that we tell small children, right, is that at least you try, right? Don't just sit down and say, that seems hard. That jungle gym team seems too high to climb, or this test seems so hard, but I'm not going to study for it. At the very least, put in an attempt. Because then you can say to yourself, I did the best that I can. But it seems to me that the octanagerians that are in control of the Democratic Party, who are also all very white, very privileged and very wealthy, could give two shits. That they think that this they are still existing with the 20th century model of the Republican Party and not the radicalized, violent cult that we know that they are. Just put it into perspective. As I'm listening to the fact that Donald Trump knew that these people were armed. And not only did he know that they were armed, they weren't armed with rocks, right? They were armed with brass knuckles, AR-15s, knives, zip ties, bear spray, tear gas, guns, right? So he knew that this these people that were standing in front of him on the ellipses were a militia, Right. Were his militia that he asked to stand back and stand by and he sent them out. And Democrats are not outraged by this. There was no one that came out and said, oh, my God, dear America, like you are in danger of losing your republic to a madman who is willing to turn citizen on citizen in order to maintain power and the danger that we are still in. No one is saying that. I keep I get tech fucking text messages since Friday from Nancy Pelosi. I've gotten five and I refuse to give the Democratic Party any of my money ever again until I see them take any type of goddamn action. And so you have Republicans saying, I'm surprised they're not more upset. And the rest of us are just like, well, who are we voting for and why? Yeah. From The New Yorker staff writer Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions, questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that forced David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold. 
Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, and look, I don't know about you, Daniel, but I get a lot of heat, especially this week, from a lot of liberals and Democrats on Twitter when I criticize the Democratic Party. I oh, think all the time. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, look, I this is my take on this. These are our elected officials. They're not gods. I, I'm not going to bend the knee to any political party or elected official. I reserve the right to criticize them because if you pressure them, then you incentivize them to do the right thing. I'm old enough, and I think, Daniel, you and I are both old heads, that <laughs> in this month, I think it's still Pride Month, Believe it or not, the Democrats did not embrace the gays. In fact, even Obama in his first term, they weren't like, yay, gay marriage, yay, pride marches. No, it's because the country wasn't there yet. And once they saw the tide turn, now it's like, oh, we love you. You're a gay. There is a gay. Let me go hug a gay. Let me go go march with a gay. I'll be gay. (laughs) Who's gay? Let's everyone be gay, right? It's because they realize, oh, there's pressure now, and I can't afford to be on the wrong side of history. So we have to pressure the Democrats. What I always say is this. We are hijacked by a radicalized and weaponized minority, the Republican Party. If you think Danielle and I do not criticize the Republican Party, you obviously do not pay attention to our podcast, to our articles, to our social media <laughs> tweets, or to our cable news appearances. At the same time, though, I don't think we should be hijacked by the Democratic Party because right yep. now the Democratic Party is saying is vote for us. And I say this is all I'm saying. Yes, there's no both sides. Both both parties are not the same. OK, we don't have to go through the laundry list. I'll just give you one. One side believes in climate change. The other thinks it's a hoax created by China. That's enough for me. But I want us to vote for the right Democrats. I don't need another mansion. I don't need another cinema, just like I don't need another belly button. Okay, no offense to those people who have two belly buttons. But these people are useless. I need two extra Democrats who are committed publicly to getting rid of the filibuster, passing voting rights, codifying Roe v. Wade, protecting contraception, and fighting against climate change and making sure that our kids aren't killed in schools, right? I need those two extra Democrats in the Senate who promise me and show me they're willing to fight at least rhetorically, at least rhetorically against a vulgarian extremist Republican Party that is fully united against an ongoing coup. I do not need another mansion. So if you're telling me that my choice is to be hijacked by an extremist minority Republican Party, or hijacked by a milquetoast vanilla Democratic Party that refuses to fight, I'm going to say, no, I'm not going to support you. I'm going to support the primary. I'm going to support the opponent who's willing to fight. Give me a people like uh, AOC. Give me someone like Cory Bush. Give me someone like uh, Warren. Give me even someone like Murphy, who's doing his job in like, you know, a, a, a purplish state, right? Give me a fighter because right now, It's been a historic trend. Black and brown people, let's be honest about it. Black, Mm -hmm. browns, and Asians have been tokenized by the Democratic Party. Yes. These darkies won't leave us. Where are these darkies going to go? We know you, darkie, you won't go for the Republican Party. So vote for us, and we're going to put you second, and then we're going to court the wealthy and the white moderates who have abandoned us. Because we know you're going to vote for us anyway. 
And now you're seeing the depression in the black vote, right? Yep. You see like 70%. You're seeing the depression in the Asian vote. You're seeing the depression in the Latino vote because people are like, dude, if you ain't fine for me, what's the point? I'm right. dying anyway. Right. And I think that that, I, I, th that is such a crystallized mes message, Waj, because the fact is, is that, you know, we have always been fighting. Our communities have always been fighting. We have always had to figure out how to protect each other because the government has never been set up to protect us and 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 to care for us. Police are not there to protect and serve, right? They're there to uh, obstruct and oppress. And so when we when we realize these things that we're sending these leaders to do absolutely nothing, they're not even putting us second. They're putting us like fifth, right? Down, you know, down the list of how they're filling their pockets, what their PACs are doing, and how and, and tap dancing for shareholders and CEOs. We see that. And so Democrats, the response is these text messages from Nancy Pelosi and the rest of them that tell me we need to vote, we need to vote. And the smart thing that AOC said this week, um, uh, um, among many things, was how many votes you need? What are you telling us to vote for? Where are you telling us to vote? Right. How much do you need in order to have the supermajority for you to do a goddamn thing? Right. Don't just tell people to vote, because guess what? We voted in historic numbers in 2022. We voted and gave you a blue tsunami in 2018. We voted. Right. So I, I, I'm, I'm confused about how we have allowed this administration and this party when they fuck up to continue to put the burden back on the people. Oh, it's that we didn't send enough Democrats in. We didn't do enough is what they're is what I hear when I continue to hear them say, oh, you just need to vote. Well, that's what happened in Virginia. Remember, they blamed black voters. How come the black voters didn't come out? How come the brown voters didn't come out? How come you guys didn't rally behind Terry McAuliffe? And by the way, they did. But as we've said before, they just ran a lame ass campaign, didn't put any effort, had no counter message, had no response to Yunkin and CRT, just thought they'd waltz their way through and voila, what happened? They lost the suburban votes and the suburban whites went for Yunkin like they usually do, right? And of course, they put a second and they're terrified of their own shadow because their shadow is black. And then they'll blame us for not doing enough, even though black and brown voters, especially black voters and poor black voters during a pandemic risk getting COVID. Yep. to vote for these Democrats as the Supreme Court justices sat there from their home and zoomed in their opinions. Remember that? The yep. Supreme Court said, no, you blacks, you got to go vote in public during a pandemic pre-vaccine. But, but by the way, we'll just stay at home. And so when people sit, see that, they're like, they get depressed. People want to see a fight. And I think what AOC did, you keep mentioning AOC for people who don't, don't know, AOC went on Late Show with Stephen Colbert so good. Uh, on, on Wednesday night. And you should watch this clip that Late Show itself actually promoted. It's only three minutes. And what she does is the following. She goes up there and she connects the dots. She says, if you give us the votes, what we will give you is the following. We have to come out forcefully against the filibuster. Once we get rid of the filibuster, then we can codify Roe v. Wade. Then we can pretend contraception. It goes, this is what Biden has to do. He has to threaten, just like FDR threatened historically, to expand the courts. When the courts were going against FDR's New Deal, he made the threat. And what did they do? They buckled. This has happened before historically. The Confederate, you know, own Supreme Court went after Lincoln. What did Lincoln do? He flexed with the Emancipation Proclamation. So what she did is she connected the dots. She communicated what could be done. She gave you a pathway. And then she gave some people hope. And then she ended with the fact 
which which you already articulated, at least fight. You know, and and I mentioned this example again, Mallory McMurrow, this no-name state senator from Boston. Why is she now on the airwaves? Why did she get a record number of uh, donations? Why did she get like a huge boost in social media? Because she released a four-minute clip where she finally fought back against these bullshit allegations that called her a pedophile. Danielle, you and me, we're old enough to remember back in the day that if someone called you a pedophile, those were fighting words. Yep. But the Democratic Party, according to a Vice article recently, said, eh, we think we're going to ignore this. We're, we're, we're just going to let them call this, us this because we don't want to put attention to it. Look at Fetterman. The last thing I'll say, Fetterman, this dude almost died. This dude's literally in the hospital and people are like, you know what? We'll go for this guy who almost died because at least he's showing a fight rather than the Democrat manufactured Connor Lamb, who seems like it came out of a weird science movie that they like literally nerd Democrats created on the computer. So that's an example that like literally when you say this, Danielle, we have mm-hmm. living examples in front of us. People want to see a fight. Uh, people, you know, and, and, and so just to just to put uh, 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 another point on this. Vice President Kamala Harris uh, did an interview, an exclusive interview on CNN with Dana Bash, right? Mm. And I, I just want people to 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 listen to the question that Dana Bash posed. Bash says this: What do you say to Democratic voters who say, "Wait a minute"? We worked really hard to elect a Democratic president and a vice president, a Democratic-led House, a Democratic-led Senate. Do do it now. Harris is response. Do what now? I'm, I'm not. I'm not kidding. I know. I know. It's painful. It's painful. Uh, the the Democratic leadership has essentially done. Look, look. People might not like this. I believe we are hijacked by the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. I feel mm-hmm. people of color in particular have been hijacked historically by the establishment of the Democratic Party, and we always do the right thing for the country. But people are saying enough is enough. You, the, What they're doing and what pains me is they're throwing women, especially women of color, out to the wolves like AOC. They said, okay, AOC, they hate you anyway. So you go out and let's test out what the audience says in response to what you're saying. Oh, they like it? Okay, then we'll come and on, on the back end and we'll claim credit for it. That's not leadership, Danielle. Nope. That's cowardice. Yep. Yep. It is, you know, it's just, to me, it is utterly offensive. And I continue to say, you know, on every video and on every show, and frankly, every network uh, that I go on, that we are not here on accident. We're not here just because we have a Republican party that has turned into a radicalized, idealized cult. That's not Mm. the only reason we're here. We're here because Democrats refuse to act. We're here because Mm. while Mitch McConnell was holding Merrick Garland's Supreme Court seat hostage, there was no plan to take it to the courts to ensure that Obama was going to get a, 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 a justice of his choosing on the court. We're here because when Joe Biden was sworn in, that he didn't nullify right or go to the courts and say, you know what, or work with the Democrats in the Senate and say, We're not voting for Amy COVID Barrett, right? We're not putting her on the bench in 30 fucking days after your party just lost an election, right? Like this is how, this is not how this is moving. There has been no challenge. Even if you were to lose, 
The people need to know that you are willing to put up the fight and willing to put up the challenge. And what Democrats did was like, oh, we'll get another chance at the Supreme Court. And I'm like, are you fucking dumb? Because even if you had those two, those Merrick Garland and Biden had gotten and Biden had gotten uh, the seat once um, uh, instead of COVID Barrett, like you would have still had Brett Kavanaugh. You still had Gorsuch, yeah. right? So yeah. you're still having these five, four opinions, right? It's not as if we would have had a supermajority on the court and they act as if they get another chance, another bite at the apple. And I don't understand it. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from Mac Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Well, you know, people should read this uh, article by Perry Bacon, who's an opinion columnist for The Washington Post. It came out today called The Fall of Roe is the Culmination of the Democratic Establishment's Failures. I agree. Um, You know, what else can you say? Look, I'll give you another example. Roe v. Wade. Uh, We even got a sneak preview thanks to an unprecedented leak last month uh, of Justice Alito's draft opinion, which essentially matched the final opinion that showed his ridiculous, revisionist, radical interpretation of the Constitution that removed 50 years of a constitutionally protected right, the right to privacy, a woman's right to choose her body. And then we get the concurring opinion of Justice Thomas saying, oh, but wait, I'm also coming after contraception, same-sex marriage. And then now you got Ken Paxton, the AG of Texas, saying, oh, we're also going to go after Lawrence v. Texas. For those of you who don't know Lawrence, Lawrence v. Texas was the case that decriminalized gay sex, consensual gay sex, you know, quote-unquote sodomy. That's what they used to call it. So gay men weren't allowed to have sex in Texas. That was that was illegal. So they're telling you we're coming after contraception, marriage equality, uh, and also gay sex, right? And the Democrats had a month, a month and a half lead in yep. uh, with Roe v. Wade. And this is the response. Like you had a you like literally God gave you a gift. He's like, here you go, here's a sneak preview. And they had nothing, no messages, no talking points, no plan. You know, Biden can flex. He could be like, listen. On federal property in these red states, which outlaw abortion, I'm going to send abortion care providers. What are you going to do, Republicans? Try to stop me, right? There's still a lot he could do. At least fight. At least give people a roadmap. And I feel like, you know, I've said this before on the show and people get upset at me. Democrats are not built for this fight. They're not made for this moment. And I think what we're going to see, Daniel, to, to bring it full circle, you said, you know, what, what, what are we going to see? I think people are going to be sick and tired. I think enough's enough. I think you're going to see the Connor Lambs become extinct. You're going to see like oddballs like Fetterman, even though the dude almost died. People are like, F that. I'll just take Fetterman. At least he shows some fight. McMorrow's, Warren's, AOC's. Uh, I think this is the last hurrah of Schumer, Pelosi, and Biden. Uh, and the institutions 
that they herald and love so much. I want to remind folks the good old days weren't that good for the rest of us. Yeah, there are no good old days. So I, I don't know what they are nostalgic for. But to your point, if they don't wake the fuck up, um, then not only do they lose the country, but I think that we are setting ourselves up for um, a civil war. And I and I say that I say that here. I think that folks are ready um, on both sides. Uh, frankly, I don't think that Generation Z is going down uh, going going to be forced back into the closet, going to be forced into uh, birth, going to be forced in uh, a way that other generations um, have. I think that they they're not and they're the hope that we have. You, you know, can I say on a, on a positive note, we just had a whole bunch of uh, primaries and we're looking at the results and the results show that, yes, the extremists of the GOP are also winning some races, but. A lot of folks are sick and tired of it. And it seems that Roe v. Wade has affected some of these races. Like in New Hampshire, the dude yep. should have won by like double digits, you know, squeaked by it, it, the Republican over the Democrat. I mean, it should have been like a plus nine. It was it's going to end up being plus three, plus four. It's been a week since Roe v. Wade. And so Democrats have winning issues. Roe is a winning issue. Banning books. 80% of Americans are against banning books. Climate change. Gun control winning issue. The number has gone up. People are sick and tired of their kids dying in schools, right? Uh, the extremism and the white nationalism of the Republican Party, right? You have these winning issues. Literally, the heavens, God, Hismet, uh, fate, Tom Cruise, whatever you believe in, is giving you, like manna from heaven, uh, this arsenal. Will you unleash it or will you bring a dull pencil to the fight? Yeah. That's the question. We, we will find out. Thank you for listening to Democracy-ish. I'm Danielle Moody. I'm Mujahat Ali. And we will be back next week if, in fact, there is a country. Started as a joke, not so funny anymore. <laughs>